Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. It is so good to see all of you here on Mother's Day 2021. I was thinking about it earlier. We did not get to have a Mother's Day service together last year. Uh, we had to have a Mother's Day service online. And um, that was less than appealing. But we made it through it, right? So this is our first Mother's Day service in, in this new, new auditorium. And I just praise God that you're here with us today. Um, just kind of battling in, in my mind of what to name this sermon today. Um, I, I chose to go with the name Your Mom. Yeah. It, it may not get any better than that, just, just, so, just so you're aware. Um, you know, if, if you're in the middle of a verbal one-liner war, you can't go wrong with a Your Mama joke. I mean, it just, it just kind of, it's, it's the atomic bomb that you just kind of drop onto the argument, right? And, and there's no greater insult than a your mama joke. And not everybody, some, some of you are so holy right now, you're, you're like, where's he heading with this? I don't know, but it's going to be fun. Um, I can't share with you some of the your mama jokes um, because they're just inappropriate. There's, and I, I just, I want wholesome talk to come out of my mouth today, not unwholesome. Amen? You need to remember that tomorrow when you're at work. Wholesome talk, right? And since I cannot share some of the uh, more popular Your Mama jokes, I decided I would share with you some biblically-based Your Mama jokes. Yes, biblically-based Your Mama jokes. You feel free to use them. I mean, I didn't say they're nice. Um, just because they're biblically-based does not mean they're Christ-like, but... Nevertheless, if you can use it, use it. So here you go. Biblically based your mama jokes. You ready? <laughs> your mama is so mean that they threw the lions into her den. <laughs> yes. Your mama is so old that she read the first copy of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> I told you they're not nice. It's just not. It's, this is painful, right? Your mama is so old that when she was born, the Dead Sea was just getting sick. <laughs> no, it's still bad, right? Can, can I do one more? It doesn't matter if you say yes or not. I'm still going to do it. So it, These are horrible. Your mama is so ugly, I rub mud in my own eyes. Okay, there it is. It's just bad, right? Bad pastor. I mean, you, you just shouldn't say stuff like that, right? But you get the idea. Your mama jokes are powerful. But they've progressed. Because now you can simply reply to someone else's criticism with your mom, and it just kind of puts the end to the argument. And my son used to be bad at this. He was. He, he was really bad at I would say something to him, and he would say, your mom. And I'm like, you know you're talking about your nana, and, and I'm going to tell her. And she's probably watching this service right now. So nana, who, yeah. by the way, mom, I dressed up for you today. Don't you get used to it. 
dressed up for you today, Mom. The truth is that on this Mother's Day 2021, all mothers deserve to be honored. Amen? If you're a mother in the room, we applaud you right now. Man, we thank God for you. Your job is not easy. And, and you deserve to be honored. And this is so important. This is so important to the kingdom of God that God included this in his top ten commandments. I mean, he didn't call them necessarily the ten commandments, but that's what we refer to them as. It's, it's the top ten. And, and Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 16 he said, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you. Then you will have a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You get over to the New Testament, and, and Paul echoes this same, same, same thing in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, when he says, honor your father and mother. And then he gives us this. He says, this is the first commandment with a promise. He says, so there, there's a reward with this. If you honor your father and your mother, there's, there's something that's going to happen for you. And, and he says, so honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and your mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. And, and, and there's never been a more obvious truth in all of the Bible. Honor your parents, and things will go well for you. And this is a truth that my children have known all too well because I had the power to make their lives good or bad. And if they didn't honor their father and their mother, things were not going to go well for them. That was their choice. My choice was how it was going to be dealt with. And so honor your father and your mother and things will go well. On this Mother's Day, I want to do something unique and I want to take a, a look at the relationship between Jesus and his mom, Mary. I'm going to start in Luke chapter 2 today. Luke chapter 2. As we look at this relationship between Jesus and his mother, um, as with every aspect of his life, we can glean from his example. I mean, that, that's why we have the Gospels, is because we see the example that Christ set for us and, and, and we get to see how he lived his life and, and the promise that he would empower us to be able to live like that also. And so Jesus showed us by example how to live out the commandments. And, and we watched it. We, we read about it and we watch it unfold. He, he didn't steal. Jesus didn't kill. He didn't covet. Jesus didn't lie. He, he lived this thing out and he honored his mother until his last breath, as you'll see today. And I believe that, that through this mother-son relationship, we can learn how to honor our mothers, but we can also learn how to raise our children. And so today is, is pretty diverse as I try to speak to everyone in the room. Hopefully, somewhere in the middle of this, you can relate. Luke chapter 2. I want to start reading at verse 41. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Now his parents, that's Mary and Joseph. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, that's important, remember that. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, 
Why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And it was at this moment that Joseph took off his belt and began to wear out his hindsight. No, I'm sorry. That is a different translation. That is not there. Let's read that again. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And when he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them, his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. There is not much of the childhood of Jesus recorded in the Bible. We just don't get much. I'm sure and certain that there are memories there. Special events, <clears throat> birthday parties. I'm sure there were family reunions and, and everything in between and things that, that they remembered, but we just are not made privy to that in the Word. And so uh, we, we just don't get much besides his birth and, and a couple of instances in, in his early infancy. Th- this is the only childhood memory recorded of Jesus, and he's 12 years old whenever we, we get to read about his life. I know that some of you moms in the room, you, uh, you think that your baby is divine. I know that. I mean, your baby is just near perfect, right? I mean, um, you, you, you're giving them a God complex and you don't even realize it. But, but listen, I, I'm going to make some of you very uncomfortable today. I promise you with that, okay? I've already celebrated you, know, you as a mom, but just stay with me, moms. You'll, you'll, you'll understand here in a minute. But some of you, you you've, you've put your children up on this pedestal and, and, and you've just created this sense that they're just almost divine. But I really want you to put your, yourself in Mary's shoes because Mary's son was literally God. Jesus was divine, is divine. Her son didn't have a God complex. He was God. And Mary was handpicked by God to carry his son. And, and, and I, I just, my mind begins to race as I just wonder, what qualities did Mary have that, that, that qualified her to raise God's son? I mean, what was it that, that caused God to know that he could trust her with this, this, this opportunity of raising his son? I mean, we know that according to Old Testament prophecy that, that she had to be a virgin. So that's one thing that she had going in her favor to raise God's son. She was a virgin. But other than that, there had to be some things, some qualities in her life uh, that, that God looked at and said, she will be the perfect earthly mother to my son. I, I pick her. And, and, and as I read through these scriptures here, I, I believe that I begin to see some of the things that made her qualified to raise God's son. So today I want to give you five truths, five truths that I want to pull out of these scriptures this morning, okay? It won't take us long, five truths that the scriptures speak to us. The first one is this, even good parents make mistakes. See, I really expected some moms and dads in the rooms to say amen to that right now, because even good parents make mistakes. How many of you have ever forgot your child? Like you left them somewhere accidentally and, and you left them behind. Let me see your hand. Why would you ever admit to that? I would never admit to that. What is wrong with you? I have never forgotten my child. 
I've never left my child behind. There's something wrong with people that leave their child behind. Joseph and Mary, listen, you're in good company if you've left your child behind, okay? Joseph and Mary, they left their child behind. They lost their child. They, they, they did not know where Jesus was at. And what makes it even worse? They lost God's son. It's got to be bad when you lose God's son. Can you imagine how frantic they were? The Bible tells us that, that they had already traveled for a day outside of Jerusalem. So they left Jerusalem. They've been traveling for a whole day before they even realized that he's missing. Now, it's also very important for us to understand that they were traveling in a large caravan. There were other family members, probably some, some nieces and nephews that, that Jesus, you know, 12 years old, middle school age. It's not really cool to hang out with your parents. And so he's, he's probably back in the back of the caravan back there, uh, hanging out with some cousins and, you know, him and, and, and Johnny the Baptist, you know, they're back there hanging out and, 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 and they travel for a whole day, a whole day before they even realize it. Now they've got to turn around, travel a whole day back. And then it's going to take them another day to search all over Jerusalem to find him. Thus, he was missing for three days, three days. Now, I've made some mistakes as a parent. I've never left my child for those of you that have, never left my child behind, but I've made some mistakes. I can tell you this, I don't always get it right. And one of the things that God has grown me and matured me in is to admit whenever I'm wrong. I don't always get it right, but man, I'm a whole lot better than I used to be. And, and, and to admit, even to your wife, even to your children, when you don't get something right, admitting that you're wrong. And, and, and what's wrong with, with some of you right now is that you know that your family knows your sins, Hear me out. Your family knows your sins. They know where you messed up. And because of that, you're cowering down and you're no longer leading as a godly man or a godly woman in your home. And you're allowing the enemy to dictate the trajectory of your family because you are unwilling because of shame, because of guilt, because of blame, whatever it is, you're unwilling to step up to the plate and, and, and to be the godly man or the godly woman that he's called you to be. Some of you have made those mistakes in the past and now those mistakes are dictating your family's future and you've got to learn to admit when you're wrong, but don't let it keep you from raising your children. In, in Proverbs 31, where it, it describes this godly woman, in verse 26, it says, when she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. You know where that comes from, right? When you're able to give guidance and instructions with kindness, it's because you're operating out of grace. How does grace come about? Grace comes about because you know that you've messed up before, and rather than, than crawl somebody and, and, and just wear them out over it, you're willing to extend some kind of love and some kind of kindness because of grace in your own life. A godly woman, she can do that. She can extend that grace through her words because she knows that her words can control the entire household. All the men should have said amen right there. Brings me to the second truth. Good parents demand obedience from their children. <laughs> I didn't expect any amens right there. I'm going to move through this one very fast. Nobody likes for anyone to tell them how to raise their children. But in verse 48 of our text, it said that when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son... Why have you treated us so? 
Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. You get down to verse 51, and it says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. That's the hometown. That's where they're from. Went to Nazareth. And he was submissive to them. He, the son of God becomes submissive to his earthly parents. One of the things that drives me crazy is parents that will not make their children mind. I'm just going to stare straight down right now. It's not good for me to make eye contact with anybody in the room. Or I'll look above your heads. When you refuse to discipline your children, you're basically telling the world that your child's will is more important than theirs. I remember there was this time when I was on staff at, at a church in Tampa, and we, we had some kind of fellowship dinner. I don't remember exactly what it was, but we were at this fellowship dinner for our church in the fellowship hall. And, um, and I was sitting directly across the table at the end of, of a section of tables, directly across from another staff member, and Mandy was sitting across from his wife. Our two kids were sitting across from their children. And, and, and the night was kind of dragging out. And there was, the, the room was loosening, loosening up. You know, there was a lot of conversations that were taking place. But still people were enjoying you know, sitting down and, and just having, having a meal together. And, and, and that's when their children got up and just started running around the room like, like crazy mad people. I mean, just just almost running into people, knocking drinks out of their hands, that kind of stuff. And, and I'm just sitting there going, oh, I mean, this, this is a pet peeve for Pastor Rocky when people don't make their children mine. Some of you are like, oh, God, is he talking to me right now? Yes, I'm talking to you right now <laughs> if you don't make your children mine. And my children, they, they looked at us and they said, can we get up? Caleb and Kendall, they were only like, like five, six years old maybe. And they said, can, can we get up? And, and I knew that I could not let my kids run around the room the way their kids were running around the room. And I, saw, I looked over here and I saw the wall right there. And I said, I'll tell you what you can do. You can get up and you can go sit by the wall over there and you can play with your toys right over there against the wall. But I don't want you to get too loud. You need to, you need to stay right there. When our kids got up and went over there, this staff member, he looked across the table at me and I cannot believe that he had the gall to say this. He looked at me and said, y'all need to loosen up. Let your kids have some fun. I wanted to say, you need to go check your kids in at the nearest prison. <laughs> Who are you to tell me? I'm looking at them. I see signs of a serial killer in, in your kids, okay? You, just save us all. Just go ahead and check them in. Now, Needless to say, our relationship with them went downhill that night. I mean, because I'm a pretty confrontational church, if you haven't noticed by now. I'm not going to put up with that, okay? Good parents will also recognize their children's potential. Good parents will recognize their children's potential. Mary, did you know? Of course she knew. Have you ever really listened to the words of that song? I mean, it's beautiful. We love it at Christmas, right? Of course Mary knew. Mary knew? She knew. It wasn't catching her off guard. Mary knew. Why? Because moms have eyes in the back of their heads. Mandy used to freak our kids out. Man, when they were younger, riding in the back seat, and Mandy was... 
be driving down the road and, and, and they'd be up to something and she'd say, I see you. I've got eyes in the back of my head. And they really thought she had eyes in the back. I think they still think that she has eyes. Kids, listen to me. Moms know. They just know. Dads, sometimes we know. But moms know all the time. It's, it's a gift that God gave them. They always know. Moms know. And, and Mary knew. Mary knew. She did. Verse 51 said, And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. She saw the potential. She knew what this boy was going to become. Mary knew that there was something special about Jesus. And she treasured these things up in her heart. When, when she had to get on to him because you're not with the caravan. We're traveling back to Nazareth. And, and where are you at? Why did you do this to us? But the Bible says that, that they were astounded by what he was teaching the teachers at, at the temple. And, and, and the Bible says that she treasured up all of these things in her heart. She knew. After all, the angel of the Lord told her before she was even pregnant that this was going to be a special child. Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 33, it says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of, of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary knew. Mary knew. She knew that he was special, and she recognized his potential. And there's nothing wrong, parents, with recognizing your child's potential. When and where they excel, you need to see that. Recognize that. I know that, 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 that your child can, can hit a baseball farther than anyone else. I know that your daughter can jump in volleyball higher than anyone else. I know that, that your child can spell words that you can't even spell. And you're so proud of them. And you've got to take note of that. You've got to look at that and realize that there's potential there. Yes, it's God-given potential. But don't forget the fourth truth here. Good parents recognize their children's potential and they keep it in perspective. That's what I see. That's, that's part of the problem with our society right now is that we're not keeping our children in perspective. You might think that your child is the smartest child that has ever walked the planet. Your kid might be the best athlete on the team and, and in your mind, they deserve more playing time than anyone else, although that other kid's parents paid the same registration fee you paid. But your kid's better, right? You might really believe that your little cutie is the prettiest thing ever created. You might really believe that. But let's be honest today. For some of you, this is like the worst Mother's Day ever. You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> It'll be over soon. Let's be honest. Your child's not the smartest. There's always going to be somebody smarter. Your child is, is not the best. There's going to be someone better. And it's probably important for them to know that. Because one day when they realize they're not the best, their world will crumble around them if you're, if you're not careful. Your child is not the prettiest. I've seen your child. Your child is not the prettiest. And after 30 minutes of playing outside, they all smell. They all stink, right? 
Every, it doesn't matter if they are the prettiest child on the planet. You send them outside to play for 30 minutes and they all smell. It's just life. And I'm not here to crush your dreams. Well, maybe I am. Probably, probably am. But I want you to realize that there must be perspective in your home or you're not doing your children any favors. Potential in perspective. And Jesus was the son of God, but yet at 12 years old, he was still subject to his parents. Why? Because Mary kept his potential in perspective. Think about how tempting it must have been for, for, for Mary. As this child was growing up, knowing he's the son of God, that there's something really special about him, how tempting it must have been for her uh, to, to, to not showcase her son's abilities. Think about this. Uh, um, when, when his cousin John hit the, hit the ball out into the water, and she's like, Jesus, this is it, son. Walk on water and go get the ball. <laughs> she hasn't been to the market all week. She goes to the pantry, and, and there's just a, a few little morsels there. That's it. She's like, I'm so exhausted. It's been such a long day. I don't want to go to the store. Jesus, multiply these. Make mommy a meal tonight. Come on, come on. Give mommy a night off. Think about how old their dog must have been. Because every time the poor guy tried to die, Jesus just kept healing, raising him from the dead. Dog's 477 years old. And, and some of you are doing the math right now. See if, if, if it's, you know, divided by seven. Blah, 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 you know, it's all you're going to get out of it today. Mary kept his potential in perspective. And Luke 2 and 52 tells us why. Because Mary knew. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is the design of growing up. Your babies are going to be okay if you will help them be okay. But don't make them grow up sooner than they need to. And don't put them on the pedestal only for, for the rug to be pulled out from underneath them. Let them grow in wisdom. Let them grow in stature and in favor with God and with man. And it wasn't until Jesus had matured mentally and physically that Mary pushed him into his calling. But it was then and only then. Listen to John chapter 2 verses 1 through 11. On the third day, now Jesus is 30 years old, okay? This, it jumps from 12 to 30. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. They were his plus 12. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I love that he had that relationship with his mom. Anybody else, you, you, you know, in a respectful, disrespectful way, you talk to your mom like that, woman, come on, woman. He said, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Mary just ignores him. She says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Woman, my hour has not yet come. What's this got to do with me? Just do whatever he tells you to do. Verse 6. Now there were six stone water pitchers there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. 
The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. His disciples believed in him. His first miracle, which I don't have time to get into all that today, but it is very important that it was at a marriage. It's very important that it was water being turned to wine, but, but again, we don't have time to get into all that. But his first miracle, it happened because his mama pushed him. She knew, now's the time, son. Now's the time. We've been waiting. But your time has come. This is that moment, son, for you to be glorified. Turn the water into wine. Do whatever he tells you to do. He's 30 years old now, and and you have to understand that there's a big difference between a 12-year-old and a 30-year-old. You know this. There's a big difference between a 12-year-old and a 30-year-old. 12-year-old me was a moron. 30-year-old me was getting ready to plant a church. There's a big difference between 12 and 30. At 12, Jesus is showcasing his knowledge. The teachers were on the steps of the temple. They were amazed. Mary and Joseph walk up. They're angry, but they're still astonished. And and he is showcasing his knowledge, and then he submits to his parents. At 30, we find Jesus at a wedding, and he is very reserved. He has grown. He has matured. He is reserved, and it's then that he submits to his mother. He had obviously grown and matured in his wisdom. At 12, Mary demands his obedience. At 30, she expects others to obey him. You see, that's your goal as a parent. Get your children to a place to where one day, They can have people that will answer to them. But as long as you and the entire household is answering to them now, you're messing all of that up. It's not going to work. Stop letting your children rule the roost. Stop letting them have control over the household. Oh, I am all over toes today. You should have wore your steel toe boots, right? At 30, she expected others to recognize the potential that she knew all along. And she said, do whatever he tells you to do. Parents, it's so important not to expect others to obey your children too soon. Their day's coming, trust me. Their day is coming, but you must let them mature in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. And Mary places Jesus on the right path because she encouraged him at the right time to do what he was called to do. Not a moment too soon. Which brings me to my fifth and final truth. Good children take care of good parents. Good children will take care of good parents. You may not see it right now. But a day is coming when all that you have instilled into them is going to take root. 
the Bible that you've put in them, the, the times you brought them to church so that someone else could teach your children God's word in a very creative way. All of those, the word goes forth and does not return void. That is the promise that we have. Scripture tells us to train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart. Let me tell you, it is not in vain, Mama. It's not in vain. And there's a day that is coming when all of those seeds are going to take root, and when it does, the responsibility shifts from the parent to the child. I've watched this in my own family As I have aged, I have watched the responsibility for two parents that loved me so much and took care of me, but then the day came that now it was time for me to take care of them. Three and a half years later, Jesus is hanging on a cross, and he looks down from the cross, and he sees his mother. All the pain that she must have felt. I can't imagine the anxiety that she had to live with as she was raising this child. Knowing that one day this was going to happen. And she looks, or Jesus looks down from the cross and he sees his mother. And he looks next to her and he sees one of his disciples. Remember, they all ran. They all scattered. But somehow, someway, John found his way back. John chapter 19, verse 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, Behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. Your mom. John, I'm counting on you. I will not be here to take care of her. John, This is now your mom. This is now your responsibility. And the Bible says, and from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. And for the rest of her life, she was cared for by John. It's amazing to me that even while Jesus was laying down his life for the sins of humanity, he was making sure that his mother taken care of. Does it not seem so, so minute, so trivial? He was dying so that I wouldn't have to go to hell. He is feeling the weight and the pain of every sin. It is the greatest feat of love that anyone has ever accomplished. There's no greater love than to lay down your life. And in the middle of that moment, 
he looks down and he sees his mom. And in a very human moment, he has to make sure that she's going to be okay. And he says, woman, behold your son, John, your mom. And it's at that very moment that Jesus becomes Mary's Savior. I think it's important just to note that Jesus had surrounded himself with a man that was willing to take on that responsibility. As parents, we have to ask ourselves this question. If something were to happen to me, would my child's friends or something was to happen to my child, would my child's friends want to take care of me? And I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, no, I know my my son's friends. I don't want them anywhere near me. Don't let them take care of me. No. I mean, that has to be one of the signs of of good parenting, right? That our, our kids have surrounded themselves with the right people. That will be there through thick and thin. And I'll tell you, it's... The success of my life and the success of my family's life has has been because we've surrounded ourselves with the right people that I know will see us through. But on a different note, good kids, good children, they take care of good parents. But what happens when that parent wasn't good? You weren't raised by Mary. What happens when you've been raised by an alcoholic father, an unfaithful mother? What happens when one of your parents walked out and abandoned you? What what am I expected to do then? Because good children take care of good parents, right? And the promise is that we honor our father and mother, not a good father and a good mother. It's you honor them. And when you do, life will go well for you. And I'm convinced that there is not a greater act of forgiveness and grace than for a child that knew my parent was not there for me 
but yet they're still there for them in the end. I've just reached this place in life that I, I don't want to go through life with regret. And at some point, at some point, if you choose just, just not to honor them, even on their deathbed, if you choose not to honor them, it, it will no longer haunt them. It will haunt you for the rest of your life. This is tough. You liked it better when I was just telling you how to parent. Good children take care of good parents. But good children, godly children, they take care of bad parents too. And I know that the Holy Spirit is stretching some of you right now. Because the enemy tries to get us to justify it in our minds and say they don't deserve it. You're right, they don't deserve it. They don't. They were not there when I needed them. Nope, they weren't. But one day you'll have to stand before God. And I don't know how it works. But if he has a flip chart or anything like that and the Ten Commandments come up, you didn't lie. Well, you didn't steal. You didn't kill. You didn't commit adultery. You kept the Sabbath holy. You put no other gods before him. But you didn't honor your father and your mother. It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. You can't do it under your own ability and your own power, but by his grace you can. His grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.